Support for Starting Small comes from Human Scale, the leading designer and manufacturer of high-performance ergonomic products that help create a healthier work life. All of the products from chairs to standing desk and more are comfortable, easy to use, and sustainable, and great for either the office or the work from home environment. With an increase in shifting workplaces, comfort can be especially hard to find. As I run the podcast, I'm in front of my desk for hours a day, from scheduling, researching, interviewing, and more. Human Scale allows me to remain productive without the consequence of body stress to follow. Make sure to check out Human Scale at humanscale.com and use code STARTINGSMALL at checkout to save 20% off your purchase. That's code STARTINGSMALL at humanscale.com and enjoy the episode. Hello and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small, a podcast about brand development, entrepreneurship, and innovation in the modern world. In this episode, I'm joined by Mike Watts, founder of Love Handle, customizable phone grips focused on functionality. Growing up in Texas, Mike lived off the motto, hard work pays off, which led him to study at Texas A&M University, business administration and management. After working in the environmental industry, Mike ventured off to create Love Handle as it is today. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small. Today, I'm joined by Mike Watts of Love Handle. Mike, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me on, Cameron. Of course. So I want to start out with your upbringing. So where did you grow up and what was your childhood like? Well, I grew up in Southeast Texas, uh, kind of near Houston, Texas. And, um, you know, I was a big outdoorsman. I like to, I'd leave in the morning uh, on the weekends. I'd leave in the morning with the, with the, my, my mom would pack me a lunch and I'd have my slingshot and I'd head out and explore. I've always been a bit of an adventurer and, and I was, I think I've always been a bit of an entrepreneur too. I was, I was the guy selling, um, you know, now and later's and blow pops in middle school and had yeah, the yeah. lawn mowing business at 13 and had my friends working for me. So I've always kind of had that actually pretty humble up, upbringings. We grew up in a trailer park and never really had a lot of money. Um, had to borrow money to get through college later on, but you know, always had a dream to, to do big things and, for sure. I've been blessed to try to make it happen. Love it. So I saw you went on to study at Texas A&M University in 1994. What did you study there? Yeah, so I started, I was going to save the world. You know, I, was a, I was a surfer and hunter and fisher. And so I wanted to study environmental engineering. And uh, that's exactly what I did for three and a half years. Went through environmental engineering. But then when I got to the end of it, I realized I didn't actually want to be an engineer. So I switched majors to uh to marketing and management I ended up graduating with a hybrid degree in environmental marketing and management and uh yeah i graduated there in 98 and went directly into corporate america got it so with your time there were you involved with any clubs or athletics i was yeah i was i was a president of the surfer club if anybody didn't know there was a surf club in texas a&m there was and i was the president okay uh but <laughs> i was a uh, part of some speaking groups and uh, outside of that, you know, a couple of academic ones, but I never was too serious about it. I had my own clubs, but uh, it was more like Friday and Saturday night. So, Got it. So following college and prior to Love Handle, you said you entered the corporate world. So what kind of jobs were you working then? Yeah, so they had me. I worked for the electric company. It was the largest uh, gas and electric, well, the only gas and electric company in Houston. And they first had me as a basically like an engineer, they pushed me back into that space. And so I designed the, the electrical system. Anytime anybody would put in a building or a subdivision, I would design the, the power systems to 
provide electricity and gas to those areas. And, but then after a few years of that, I started volunteering at the, I became part of their speakers bureau and they figured out this guy really likes to talk. We need to move him. So they moved me uh, as I was out in like a field office on the East side of Houston. And then they moved me to their corporate headquarters in downtown Houston and gave me, issued me a cubicle and said, you're now in public relations. And so I got to go out and give money away and do good in the community as long as I got press about it. So that was pretty fun. Awesome. And then I saw you founded also a couple other companies prior to the love handle. If you can kind of explain your own creations and kind of like where you have gone prior to love handle as well, what other companies have you founded? Yeah. So I have, I founded six companies so far. Okay. Um, and the first three were kind of small. They were side hustle companies that I, uh, around the year 2000, kind of things changed for me. My wife and I had our first child, and when Ethan was born, we made the goal that she would be able to stay home and focus her efforts on raising our family, which meant that we went from a two-income to one-income family. Mm-hmm. And so we read Rich Dad, Poor Dad together, and we decided that we need to get some passive income and you know find a way to ex- make some extra money. So we started going to home and garden shows back in the day. Mm-hmm. When they were consumer shows, people would show up and maybe they came there shopping for a new pool or a new deck or swing or something, but we were the infomercial guys there. And so we were, I was the pitch guy. People come down the aisle, I'd stop them, show them our product, pitch it to them, move them over to my wife. She would swipe the card. And then we had a two-year-old under the table watching Veggie Tales. And that was (laughs) our, that was our life for for quite a while. And we kind of cycled through products. So each one of those startups was around like originally it was these water absorbing polymers that I found through uh, my experience in science and they eventually became Orbeez, which a lot of people know today. Uh, yeah. That they a little squishy gel. And we were selling them to grow plants and you could grow plants out of them or you could mix them in your soil when you travel. And so it became a good way to sell it in the home and garden space. And then mm-hmm. Eventually, we started selling yard decorations like little butterflies and dragonflies on a stick. I built a whole yeah. distribution network of that. Ended up doing, I had in under my company, we had 70 shows we did coast to coast. And I had people under me that would do those shows. They would make their own money on their own side hustle. And then I would make a wholesale margin. So that was fun. I sold that company. And then we got into these hand carved wooden replicas of airplanes, motorcycles, and such brought those in out of Vietnam and I did those in mall kiosks. So I had seven different locations in Houston, 14 employees, all while I had a full-time job for the electric. Wow. That's amazing. So how did you manage to handle that caliber of work? If it was just you and your wife at this time, was it really hiring out other individuals to kind of represent the companies? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I spent every, there was no weekends in my life, right? So it was like every yeah. sick, sick day, holiday, weekend, uh, I was working. And so, <laughs> and that was even like early cell phone days. And so I could, I'd sneak into the bathroom and do a few deals. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, you know, it was it eventually got to the point that I was making enough money from my side hustle that it was matching my income from the corporate job. And so it became more and more apparent to me that I had more opportunity being my own boss than I, than I had in, in the glass, or in this case, concrete ceiling that was sure. uh, placed before me. So I'm kind of fascinated now. So when did you exit the corporate world and eventually 
pursue your startups full time. When was this and what were you working on at this time? So that was in 2004. Okay. Uh, I, I'd been working full time uh, just over six years and, you know, at my regular job and then had the side mm -hmm. hustle going for four. And then in 2004, what happened is I was at a trade show in Houston and I, I was a Friday. So you had to set up for these home and garden shows on Friday morning. And then Friday afternoon, the show would open around two. But unfortunately for me, I was out of vacation days. Mm. And one of my coworkers had ratted me out. And I was there playing hooky and uh, to be honest about it, but that I was getting my work done. You know, I definitely was a good employee, but at the same time, yeah. I, ne I needed a little flexibility that corporations don't always have. And so I was there and my, it was at two o'clock. I remember it clear as day. My boss walked into that show, walked right over to my booth with a camera, took a picture of me oh. and said, I've seen everything I need to see. And he turned around and walked out. Wow. So, well, the cool thing was that in the booth next to me, I had invited a guy I had met at a previous show that had a product I was super interested in. It was an aftermarket weed eater head. If you ever cut your own grass, Cameron, you know that like winding the, the line on and feeding it out is a real pain in the butt. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So he had invented this head that would go on any trimmer that the line wouldn't break off. And it was super easy to load. And so I had invited him to be my neighbor. And when this happened and my boss said that to me and walked away, I looked at him and I was like, man, I think we're going to have to make a deal. And uh, he's like, he's like, why is that? I was like, I think I just got fired. He goes, oh, all right, let's make a deal. So <laughs> that kind of, that we spent the, the whole weekend talking about how I would license all of his patents that he had filed for. And that was, mm -hmm. you know, kind of leading up to that. All those other products I sold, I was frustrated because people were kind of, you know, anybody could get them. So I was creating sure. my own competition as I went. And I was in no way to keep competitors out of the marketplace. I knew I wanted something I could protect. And so when this happened, it was just that straw that broke the camel's back. And I finally said, okay, we're going to do this. Talked to my wife over the weekend. We're like, okay, I lost my job anyway. So now's the time to go. At this point, we had three kids under five. And I was walking away from health insurance, life insurance, pension, and a regular wow. paycheck to become my own boss. And uh, while my Grand, grandparents thought I was insane to leave the ultimate <laughs> safe job of working for the electric company, which would never go away. I, I knew I wasn't happy there and I knew I, I needed to do something different. And so uh, that's what we did, even though they did actually try to get me to stay uh, and stay in the company, uh, corporate America. I just decided, no, nope, now's the time to go. And so we ventured off and then eventually we grew that company to, it only took what, four years? We grew that company to the number one selling weed eater head in the world. And wow. then 2011, we actually exited with a, just over $6 million we sold that company for. And so yeah. it was it was a real success story. The cool thing along the way, I was able to share uh, some of the opportunity with family members and friends that bought stock. And so they all had enormous, you know, enormous returns. And That's so that amazing. was a neat journey. And then uh yeah so then i've had a couple since then that have both been pretty successful so that's just fun for me now let's keep doing it i hope you guys are enjoying this episode so far around mike's entrepreneurial journey i wanted to pause and say thank you to this episode's mid-break sponsor newton running the leader in performance running shoes that promote gait efficiency for people at all levels of the sport newton running's patented action reaction technology provides dynamic shock absorption energy return ground feel minimal heel to toe drop 
and lightweight comfort. In addition to its devotion to help people run better, Newton Running is committed to corporate responsibility through sustainability efforts and through the support of numerous charitable organizations. Make sure to check out Newton Running for yourself at newtonrunning.com and enjoy the rest of the episode. Love Handle came around 2014, so what inspired you to create the Love Handle and also enter the phone accessory industry? Yeah, so I, I was, you know, I'm always on a, all that time I spent selling products to people, standing in front of them, asking them for that $20 bill. I, I learned a lot about what made a great product. And so the day that I ran across the Love Handle, was actually the, the guy I had sold two of my previous businesses to, both small, like for under $10,000, each one of those businesses I sold. So small okay. sales. But anyway, he brought it to me and said, hey, I found this product. I think you should take a look at it. And so uh, I stuck a love handle on my phone. It was called a sling grip at the time. Uh, and the inventor had invented it uh, like two years prior. And I tried it. I was like, I don't know. But then the next day I had my fingers through this, the band on the back of my phone and I'm laying on the couch. I'm not dropping the phone on my face like I had done the day before. <laughs> yeah. Like, That's pretty cool. And so we like, okay, we need to do something about it. this is pretty cool. And then Monday, this is the, then this is a differentiator for anybody out there listening. Like this is, this is the moment I look back on that, that really made it. I got on a plane Monday morning. I went and paid a full fare ticket to go fly to Minnesota from Houston to go meet the inventor. Went out to dinner that night with him and his wife, explained to them, this is what I do. I've made millionaires out of other inventors. I could do it with you. I really think you've got a winner here. Let's do business. And by that Friday, we had the deal done. Uh, I owned all the patents for this new phone grip. And that's, uh, what, seven seven years ago. And wow. I think we're on the path to um, hopefully a, a four or $500 million a year company. So That's amazing. So what did that first, I mean, it wasn't a prototype at that time, but what did that first product look like compared to Love Handle today? Was it fairly the same? The yes and no, the packaging was very crude. Um, there weren't any designs. It was only black elastic. And then they had different, like six different colored bases. And he was literally building them with, with clothes pins and super glue bottles in his basement. Um, so that was where they were at at that point. It was very, very early. But after that, we've, you know, kind of evolved in all aspects, the design, the, uh, you know, like the prints and things like that. But then now we've just released this product called the Pivotrim or the Love Handle Pro. Pivotrim was the weed eater hit. I still Freudian slip that all the time. But the Love Handle Pro, and it has a full functioning kickstand with two positions and it's magnetic. So your phone can stick to your fridge or anywhere else you want to stick it. And the mm -hmm. straps can be swapped out. And we just released that this last year. But it's taken this many years to sort of des finish design and evolve that because we've made the commitment to manufacture this product in the U.S., which is much harder to do. But at the For same sure. time, we're ending up with a much better product. And um, we feel like this is the, the one that's going to take us to the moon. Absolutely. So the transition between acquiring the business and you said he was creating it in his home with clothespins. And I know you have a factory now or a warehouse in Texas and you guys actually make them in-house. What did that process look like, that transition of manufacturing the products from making it with clothespins to what you have now? Did you guys have a system down or were you making it with your wife, et cetera? What did that look like? Yeah, it was it was for early days. You know, it's funny. It was our very first show and we got an, like a big order right out of the gate. 
and we were yeah. blessed with that. It was 280,000 units for Samsung. Samsung wanted us to custom wow. print their logo on the strap and they were going to give them out with the release of their new Galaxy phone. And okay. we had no idea how we were going to make those. So we came back <laughs> and got them to give us as much lead time as possible. And we were literally creating these kits. Uh, we had printed all the elastic and we, we'd throw scissors and glue and all the components into boxes and we were shipping them to all our relatives and states all across America to build and send back to us and assemble. And that was kind of our, wow. we got baptism by fire and we realized real quick, <laughs> we need, we need a way to do this, you know, at scale. And so the For inventor, sure. he went back into this workshop and he said, I think I can build a machine to make this. I was like, really? Because I, I so give me a couple months. I see what I can come up with. So he went, and literally built the machine to make his product and loaded it in his basement, loaded it in a U-Haul truck, drove it down from Minnesota to Texas, set it up in here. And we went from hand building to producing a thousand units an hour, perfect quality right out of the gates. Wow. So when was that? When did you transition into that machine then? It would have been probably around 2016 and okay. then since then we have evolved and now we have much better machines and multiple better machines and then yeah. now with the pro the pro requires some very high-end specialized kind of equipment and so now we've got all this equipment we've got large form roll presses and before we were like taking to print the elastic we would just print out a sheet of paper off of a sublimation desktop printer and then wrap the elastic around a board in like a spiral format and then lay it and tape it down on there and put it in a t-shirt press. And then we'd unwrap it and then cut all the pieces to the right length and build it. But now we've got this big long form, you know, roll press and then automatic cutters and, you know, laser eye QC quality control things. And so it's just constantly evolving. Everything, if there's any one common thing is that everything's changing all the time. Absolutely. So, I saw that you have a partnership, or not, I don't know if it's a partnership or just mm -hmm. a friendship, but with Damon John, and I'm, I'm kind of curious, how did you guys connect and what does his connection mean for Love Handle? Uh, Damon's a great guy and it's a cool story yeah. because I was, uh, you know, I had the dream like a lot of, a lot of you guys that I want to be on Shark Tank. Who don't want to be on Shark Tank, right? For like, sure. So we used to sit around and, and watch the show and I auditioned, my, my, my dad and I actually auditioned uh, and he's my business partner here. Uh, and so we were at CES, the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas, and we went and auditioned at, at the Shark Tank open call. And we made it through the first round there in Vegas to the second round. And we did the second round interviews and application and videos. And then for whatever reason, we didn't, the next round was like, you're walking down the carpet and you're going to see the shark. So for whatever reason, we didn't make the cut. I was really disappointed and I really, really had my heart set on making a deal with the shark. And I really wanted Damon. Uh, it was going to be Damon yeah. or Mark. And so we did it again the next year and the same result. But in the meantime, I, you know, it's, it's a lesson is stay in the weeds and keep your, keep your eyes open for details. Cause I was watching the orders come across my website. And one day I saw an order from a company called the shark group. I was like, that's interesting. Looked it up. Sure enough, that's Damon John's company in New York City. He is ordering my product from my website. Wow. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. So I picked up the phone. I called the phone number. I was like, hey, can I talk to Damon? 
<laughs> and they laughed at me and they said, no, you can't talk to Damon. Uh, but I made a relationship over there. Next thing you know, I started, you know, sending samples to his office. I started printing. I printed a, a, the title of his book, Power Broke. And when his next book came out, and next, I just kept adding value to him. And mm -hmm. a few months later, the, the phone rings. He calls and he's like, hey, Mike, I'm a fan of you. I'm a fan of the product. Everybody here loves it. They love you. And I, I don't do this, but I, I'd like to make a deal with you. So in the end, wow. I was able to make a deal with the shark, my dream shark, my dream mentor, yeah. without ever actually going on the tank. So now I get to go backstage and see it from his point of view and hang out with him. And so now he is a co-owner of Love Handle. And he was actually pitched it the other night on Shark Tank. Somebody had a phone accessory and he pulled up his Love Handle Pro and had it next to his face. And he goes, oh, well, this product, I already work with Love Handle. And I actually saw you know, that, yeah. Did you? Yeah, yeah, so. He gave us a shout out on there. There's another one coming uh, too. So anyway, he's been a great partner. It's really helped us to open doors that otherwise no way we could have opened on our own. So it's been an amazing journey. Yeah, that's truly amazing. After he kind of shouted it out on the show, did you notice a spike in sales at all? Because I know like entrepreneurs, when they just get on the tank, they get sales that spike up. What about that with him? Yeah, ab yeah absolutely. Um, you know, it's time you get any exposure like that, people start looking, they get curious and they want to, they want to know, they want to be part of it. And fortunately, I think we have a good product and people, once they see it, they're going to want it anyway. So, but yeah, Absolutely. we definitely saw a spike. So looking at love handle today, what would you say separates the love handle from your competitors? I would say functionality for us mm -hmm. is a big focus. Uh, you know, I won't name them, but you, a lot of people know the, uh, the main competitor we have in the marketplace. It's a funny yeah. story because when we started our company, they were starting at the same time, like literally the same week we started. And okay. I had a facility because I had sold my company. I still had my facility. I had this 10,000 square foot empty building and offices and everything. I was like, okay, well, I have an office to start my company. They, these guys were starting in their garage at that time. So I was very aware of the marketplace and I saw I could see that this was going to be a real category that nobody had made. And I was like, I'm finally going to like, that's the dream that I had was I'm going to create a product category that didn't exist before. Like I've got, uh, there's a couple of people out there doing phone grips and they're all very, very small and very early. I have the best product. This is totally, I'm going to win. I was like, I'm going to win. And then yeah. they went absolutely crazy viral. And all the while the product wasn't even invented for being a grip. It was, it was designed for wrapping earbud cords around. And so I spent wow. the last six years fighting against a product that's beating me at my game, even though it wasn't developed for that, but it's a blessing in disguise. Everything has a better story if you let it play out. And for us, it's allowed us to really scale our production capacity in-house, finish the development of the pro. And so now I think that the differentiation is so stark for us to be able to prop a phone instantly in portrait mode and it won't fall over as you swipe and touch FaceTime calls like with COVID, everybody's sure. spending more time on Zoom. So our product just naturally integrates with the human need in our, in our interaction with these pieces of glass that we carry around everywhere, so. Got it. So where can Love Handle be found today? Are you guys in any retail, um, e-commerce, et cetera? Yeah, so there's a lot of there's around 3000 stores uh, coast to coast in the US that we're currently in. 
but we're currently targeted to be in around 30 to 35,000 by the end of the year. Uh, so Academy sports and outdoors, uh, mm-hmm. some Walmart locations, lots of boutiques and gift shops. And, yeah. um, there's some medium sized change. Most people like we do a ton of business on Amazon. If you listen to this, you want to want love handle, don't go to Amazon, come to my website, please <laughs> buy it from lovehandle.com. Sure. That's kind of, and the cool thing is that we we like, we have a lot more variety. We also do DIY. So you can upload a picture of your dog or your company logo or whatever, and kind of make your own, which is kind of cool. So brick and mortar retail will, will be here. And we're, you know, we're talking to all the majors now, especially now that we have this new product. And so that's going to, it's going to grow quickly and it'll be readily available, but we always want to have something special and unique that we offer on our own site that you can only get on our own site. And so love handle.com. Sure. That's amazing. So I like to conclude each episode with this. If you could share one piece of advice with an inspiring entrepreneur, what would that be? Maybe something you've learned or regret just anything. Yeah, it's uh, persistence. That's really what matters in the game. It's not about how smart you are, how much experience you have, or honestly, even how great your current product is. It's about persistence wins. So if you just keep showing up every day, you keep, you know, and, and you got you got to be able to be humble too. You know, you need to be able to like look at your product or your service or your business and say, how can we make it better? You're going to fail, but the failure is part of success. So just don't look at it as failure. Don't define it as failure. So it's a learning, it's a learning opportunity. So if you just keep at it nonstop and don't quit, then you're guaranteed to win. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Mike, for joining me today. And to the listeners out there, make sure to check out Love Handle at lovehandle.com. Thanks so much, Cameron. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Starting Small. If you would, leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, follow Starting Small Pod on social platforms to keep up to date on future guests.